Hi, everyone. Dr. B here again. Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode of Ask the Dentist. Today, we're going to talk about fixed lower retainers. Most of you will know what that is. And, and if not, of course, I'm going to explain it. And actually, two people asked the question. It was Stacy and Sarah. And I'm going to have Stacy play back her question. We're going to play back her question. But Sarah also asked the question. Stacy asked for her child who just got debanded. Her orthodontic treatment is over. And she used the word forever. She felt uncomfortable with her child wearing a retainer, a fixed retainer. And... Sarah asked the question as an older adult, as a, I think a 27-year-old. So, so I'm going to give you kind of all perspectives of this very common procedure uh, after you get braces. And I, I, I have some interesting clinical observations, and, and I can back it up with studies, but I couldn't do that until recently. Back when I was a young dentist, I always felt uncomfortable with these these devices and because of certain changes that I saw. And, and now the, the studies just four or five years ago, recent studies are supporting what I saw and it's not a good thing. So, but then again, who wants their teeth to move back after they have orthodontic treatment? I'm going to address that as well. So let, I've already said too much and uh, let's get right into it. Again, great questions from both Stacy. And Sarah, it's something I really haven't addressed on my blog. So, so I'm really glad that both of you asked this question because it does apply to a lot of people. This is a very common procedure after you get braces, typically when you're 12, 13 years old. Although that paradigm is changing now because we're treating patients earlier for space issues, which is essentially what crowding of teeth is. It's the root cause is a lack of real estate. I'm going to talk about that as well. Anyway, here is, let me see if I get this right. Here is Stacy. And again, if you're Sarah and you ask the same question, I will essentially cover your question as well. Again, thanks both of you for asking this very important question. Hi, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on permanent retainers after braces for kids. My son is currently in braces and his dentist is pushing for a permanent retainer, and I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with him having that in his mouth forever, and I'd love your thoughts. Thanks. That's a great question, uh, Stacy. And then it was Sarah who asked as an adult, 27 years old, who's had it on since age 13, so more, more than a decade. And Stacy is asking about her her child after orthodontic treatment. So so what what are these fixed retainers and you know why are they typically on the lower although you can do it on the upper these are lingually based in other words they are wires flexible wires or bars stainless steel bars that are shaped to mimic the inner arch of the lower teeth sometimes the upper teeth typically on the upper teeth it's a wire because the the bar would be too thick that's where the tongue is typically located during enunciation, pronunciation of different words. And so it's important not to interfere with that. But on the lower, there seems to be room. And so these get glued on. The, the wires typically are glued on to all the teeth. This is from cuspid to cuspid. These are the teeth, the, the canine to canine. And they're glued on the inside so that during normal conversation, you can't really see them, although they are visible. If, if there's someone taller around you and you open wide and laugh, you, they are visible. It's a big gray bar. 
Typically, the bars are glued from cuspid to cuspid, and the other four teeth in between, the four anterior teeth in between these two canines will float a little bit. And then the serpentine wires, they're typically bonded or glued to all the teeth. But the theory, and these came after the bars were have been around at least for 60, 80 years, the, the theory was that the serpentine wires were a little bit more flexible and allowed a little bit more movement. So back when early on in my career, we didn't really have any data on whether these were good long-term or not, other than they did work, they would break sometimes, they have to be replaced. If they do break, you want to go in right away because if one bond, bonded section breaks and the other is still in place, and that's typically how they break, they don't both break at the same time, it's very unusual that that would happen, then the teeth start moving very rapidly because of uneven forces. So if you do have one of these and you don't have it removed, then you really do need to make sure that when it pops loose, go in to see your dentist right away. A lot of people will wait until their next appointment. And by that time, you're looking at some minor orthodontic treatment, maybe some a small, short Invisalign case to get the teeth back in because they have moved readily. I mean, a, a lot. So why are these, why do ortho, why have orthodontists been using these, these devices? Well, it's because they haven't really addressed the root cause of why there was crowding of the teeth to begin with. There isn't really enough real estate uh, for the teeth that come in. As our faces are shrinking and our jaws are getting smaller, there, there's less real estate for the same number of teeth that are still coming in. That hasn't changed. It's kind of, it's a great analogy is you move from a large home to small home and you have the exact same amount of photos and wall hangings and furniture and you stuff it all in there and, and you find a place for everything. And the house is a little crowded. So, so that's kind of what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with after ortho. We take orthodontic treatment. We take off the wires or we finish with an Invisalign treatment. And of course, then we want that patient to go into a retentive or retention mode wearing retainers. The retainers can be removable like an Invisalign or they can be fixed. And so when an orthodontist treats a seven-year-old and the phase one, phase two treatment of orthodontics is done by age 12 or 13, they really don't trust the kid to wear the retainers. The kid will, you know, the young teen will lose the retainers and between six-month recalls, the teeth will go back. They will relapse back to their original position because they were moved aggressively to make up for that real estate disparity, you know, the, the, the moving from the big house to the small house with the same number of pieces of furniture. So, so their solution to that was, and, and I get it, it, it's a practical solution because nobody, no parent wants to come back after six months or 12 months and say, oh my God, the case is ruined. My teeth, my kids' teeth are back where they were. And, you know, I'm not going to spend eight to $10,000 again. And, and so the orthodontists have fixed this by bonding in or gluing in these wires or these bars. They're called permanent retainers because they're bonded in. Of course, they don't last forever. They can break loose. And, and as I said before, that can be a problem. The idea which came after the the stainless steel bars of the serpentine. It's like a gold chain, a serpentine chain. It looks like that. It's braided. The idea there was that the teeth would be able to move a little bit more freely because it was a flexible chain. And since they were bonded to all the teeth, that was, was a more retentive and also a longer lasting fixed retainer. So, Okay, so that's some background on on this whole concept. So, so, so now what? Let me go back to 
when I first started being a dentist and over the years, over the decades, I started noticing, and this is before we had any proof that this existed, but I, rem- I remember seeing at least 90% of the time, gum recession, bleeding gums, more plaque and tartar buildup around these fixed retainers, whether it was a serpentine or the stainless steel bar, it really didn't matter. And again, it's very hard to floss. It's kind of ba- it's back to having braces, except just on your front lower six anterior teeth. Sometimes on the upper teeth, that typically a little wire is bonded between the two centrals, and that is to prevent a diastema or space or gap forming again. Uh, but they're very thin, and they're they're bonded into place to prevent that from happening. So this is what I kept seeing, and and what I and and I I, I could predict it. I I knew it when I saw it, but I couldn't explain it. I just there were no studies, and so I relied on just clinical knowledge and just tried to come up with some ideas. But what really stuck in my mind was something that Dr. Walter Hall, the head of the Department of Periodontology, one of our professors back in the eighties at the University of Pacific Dental School, bless his heart, uh, an, an amazing periodontist. Uh, forward thinking. His theory, or it wasn't a theory, he didn't say it was a theory. He just told us this is what he thought, and we totally believed him. His idea was that teeth should never be splinted. Now, again, he's not an orthodontist, so there's no need to take his patients and fix that relapse issue. He's a periodontist. He sees teeth fall out of the mouth due to gum disease and bone loss. And he said, and and let me, sorry, let me back up a little bit. Periodontists also splint teeth in an older patient with a lot of loose teeth, with lots of inflammation, bone loss, deep pockets. Sometimes to keep those teeth in longer, periodontists would splint the teeth together. But they they knew that that was a short-term, there was short-term gain with that. And it was for different reasons. Uh, it was to keep the teeth in there as long as possible. They would take a very loose tooth and splint it up to teeth that were less mobile in hopes that that loose tooth would not the bone around it wouldn't you know resorb as quickly and the loss of the tooth would be delayed so so anyway so but a periodontist view was that this was a bad thing and periodontists are dentists that specialize in the periodontal ligament periodontal means around the tooth not the tooth itself and they're experts on these little fibers that are connect between the jawbone and the tooth and Billions, millions of little fibers uh, in each socket as each tooth is embedded in the socket. And this allows the teeth to move. And he explained to us in detail what a beautiful, elegant system this was, allowing the teeth to move individually from another tooth and that it puts stress and tension on the bone, the alveolar bone, the bone that girdles the teeth and keeps them in the jawbone. The, the bone is, the alveolar bone is a little softer and it sits on top of the firmer jawbone. So it's the two types of bone are slightly different, but they're, they're both comprise the jawbone. And these teeth sit in the alveolar bone and these ligaments allowed the teeth to shift and move. In fact, he said, and, and, and now it's pretty clear that that, that he was correct that there is some proprioception, sense of self, that's Latin for feeling something in your body, that when the teeth move, you can feel that and it's actually pleasurable. So there's there's some sensory feedback there on chewing. Is that related to the satiation response? You've had enough food or, you know, who knows? But it's it's all definitely connected and it's it's a system that is active and it was put there for a purpose. 
And of course, splinting the teeth stops that. If you splint the two cuspids together and the other teeth are up against that bar, they're not going to move as individual units. And even worse, perhaps with the serpentine wire, they're all locked down. They're all tied down. So again, what I was seeing was gum recession, which is pretty serious, even in teenagers. From the time that that lingual bar went on, was glued on, in, in, within months, within actually within years, but within months, we saw gingival changes and bleeding and plaque buildup. But within years, we saw aggressive gum recession. And as many of you know, that's hard to reverse. It's almost impossible to reverse. And it's very unfortunate to see in a young child. So, so here's my take. There, there were a few studies that I, I saw. Uh, I don't, I think there is bone loss. And certainly there is typically bone loss if there's inflammation around the girdle of tissue around the tooth, the ligaments become inflamed. If there's no individual movement to the teeth, I don't think the bone, the crestal bone is healthy. And I've included some studies that support this. So one study is called long-term periodontal status of patients with mandibular lingual fixed retention. In other words, people that the long-term gum health of patients with these retainers. And again, they don't last forever. They pop off. They come off every 10 years. Uh, they have to be fixed. They can be removed. I'll talk about that near the end of this episode. So the purpose of the study was to evaluate the periodontal tissues, the health of the gum of patients with these fixed retainers, mandibular, lower jaw fixed retainers. And what was interesting about the study was for long and short periods of time, I think there were there were over 60 individuals, half of them, a little bit more than half of them. They were measured at a mean time of nine years. It was a difference. You know, it was between nine and 11 years. And then there were the rest of the patients were looked at just after a few months. And what they saw between these two groups, I, I think they wanted to see if there was a difference over time. But what they saw in the three to six month wearers, or, or they had worn it for three to six months, was, of course, plaque, gingival, buildup, calculus, that's tartar, all the indexes or the indices for what we consider to be gum problems were there, uh, deeper pocket probings. This is in a young, healthy adult that does not have gum disease, a uh, marginal recession of the gums. And then the bone levels were dropping. They were also recorded for both groups. So, in both groups, there was very little difference. That's amazing. So obviously, it starts pretty early on. And so demographically, clinically, radiographically, all this data is collected. And there, there, are, there, are, there are differences for the people that are wearing these devices. This is a problem that really worries me. Here's, here's the big thing. Higher calculus accumulation with these bars, that's more tartar. It's harder to clean. We talked about that earlier. Very difficult to floss. Greater marginal recession, that's gum recession, and increased probing deaths, depths. That's the deeper pocket. In anyone, that's considered to be a problem. So, so the result of that study basically raises the question of how appropriate is a fixed retainer, and, and fixed meaning permanent, and the orthodontist would like to keep it in there for at least 10, 20, 30 years, Tooth relapse can occur even in your 30s and 40s. Uh, it's very possible. And these fixed retainers are kind of a standard plan for patients, for all patients, regardless of their attitude to dental hygiene. It doesn't matter if they have poor dental hygiene or good dental hygiene. So that's, that's a real problem. And that's what I've been noticing. And now, just having looked just recently, there are plenty of studies 
that have been observing this. So what is the solution? What would you what do you do if you already have one in place? What if your son or daughter is about to get one? Uh, let's let's talk about that. But but there's enough evidence for me to believe, to know that these things are unnatural. I'm not worried I'm not worried about the metal content. Uh, yes, with stainless steel, there's a little chromium and a little nickel that may leach out over a long period of time. Most of the studies are involving cooking pans and under great heat and, you know, nickel levels in food, chromium as well. But stainless steel is pretty inert in the mouth. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the fact that the teeth aren't able to move properly and that the hygiene around these around these fixed retainers is enough to make a difference early on within months, as, as this one study indicates, to the point where the child is essentially exhibiting signs of gum disease, inflammation. This is not a healthy thing. This is not a good solution. It's not a good long-term solution for sure. All right. So most of you see where this is going. Again, there's no perfect fix. Things are not binary, certainly in healthcare. So, this is my recommendation. I'll just cut to the chase, even though it will tick off a lot of orthodontists, not all orthodontists, and, and it may be difficult for a lot of parents to, to follow through with this advice. So, but let me let me just go ahead and and we'll take it from there. You can always ask another question. So, I don't re- recommend these retainers. I, I think they're a mess. Um, they create too much havoc and they cause irreversible damage, bone loss, crustal bone loss, gum recession. They cause bad breath. That's not permanent, of course. Uh, I just don't think they are the right solution. So for for Stacy's young, I think her son, I would recommend no fixed retainer, get a removable retainer and just make sure that thing is in place until you feel secure that they it will not get lost. Now, of course, in the beginning, it has to be worn all day long. So, your son will go to school with it. You can always have them replaced. I would have two made. Try and get a discount on the second one because it's all done at the same time. And that way, if you lose one while you're replacing the one that was lost, you still have a backup. Try and get a clear aligner type of retainer. They tend to be cheaper. They're a little easier to wear for most kids, certainly for adults. They're almost invisible. But sometimes the Holly style retainer is a good way to go because it locks in better. It stays in better. It's got little ball clasps. It's got the pink acrylic. And that may be better for your kid, uh, for, for a younger patient. So retention can be done that way. You just you just have to be on it. In other words, you have to make sure that your child comes home with a retainer. Train them. Make sure there, there's an incentive for not losing it. I, I, don't, I don't. Every parent has a different way of dealing with that. So, so removable retainers are the way to go. I would not go with these fixed retainers. Too much, too much damage is done just for the sake of keeping these te- teeth from relapsing. So, the the real issue here, I think, is, and of course, this is in hindsight for most of us. Uh, I've had orthodontic treatment. I do wear a retainer. It's really, it's not a retainer. It's a sleep appliance, and that sleep appliance locks my teeth into place. But it is removable. It's not permanent, and I don't wear it to retain my arch form of the teeth to prevent crowding from occurring again. I wear it to sleep better. But a lot of adults wear retainers, such as Sarah, and I would recommend. And I did this constantly in my practice. I would always bring it up with a new patient. 
doesn't matter what age, I would explain to them why this was a bad thing to, to do. And I would give them the option. I wouldn't force it on them. I would just say, listen, if it was my kid or if it was me, I would have this removed. And they're easy to remove. I usually could remove them, the, the glued on bars and the, the serpentine chains took a little longer, but in less than 20 minutes, this thing would be removed. I wouldn't even charge for it. I didn't want that to be an impediment to, to in deciding, which I think sometimes influences people. They make a, the wrong decision because it's costly. Of course, they had to pay for the retainer. But at that point, they were pleased based on the information I gave them that this was a good thing to do. So, so for adults, I would do an Invisalign style retainer and that worked well. For the, for the kids, it's tougher because they're kids, they're young adults, and they lose stuff. So if you can address that and you feel comfortable with that, then then do not go for that type of retainer. If you think you may need it until your child is 17 or 18 years old, just make sure that, you know, keep making that questioning yourself, when can my child be responsible enough where they can work with a, a removable retainer? What happens, and this is what I see all the time, as they go into young adulthood and into their early 30s, it's just never mentioned again. They just hang on to it for as long as possible. And then, of course, they have gum recession, they have sensitive teeth near their lower front anteriors, and and that's a problem. And it, it should be, someone should be telling them, and, and I think functional dentists are are doing this, should be telling them that, you know, at some point in time, you need to remove this. Be a big boy, be a big girl, and just deal with the removable retainer. Now, we wouldn't need retainers at all if the orthodontics was done correctly. Again, this is a functional approach as well, but I don't like it when I have to refer someone at age eight or nine, which is typically when dentists are taught to refer to the orthodontist, because by that time, the lower face has developed. 90% 90% of the development of the face is done by age six. So there's no more room and the teeth are coming in like mad, just popping in and there's no room for them. And so the orthodontist is either removing teeth or pushing them back and and outwards to make room for these teeth. And that is not a good approach because that essentially leads to relapse. The teeth kind of want to go back. If the child had been treated at age two or age five or age six with maxillary expansion to increase that real estate, to keep the house big so that when the furniture delivery comes, there's room for these teeth and there's no relapse. So, so really, that's what needs to be done. And we're beginning to see that. That is beginning to happen. Orthodontists are popping up everywhere, functionally minded orthodontists, orthotropics. You know, it's, it's a, we are learning from our mistakes again, but it's delayed. It's slow. It's typically delayed by 15 to 20 years. And don't, don't get caught up and wait until it becomes mainstream. Act accordingly. And so if you do have a young child, make sure you're seeing an orthodontist that treats earlier or, or make sure you're seeing a dentist that is referring earlier. I refer most kids for ortho between the ages of one and five. And five, I feel is a little too late. If I see them at five and I see, you know, sleep apnea issues, uh, breathing issues, sleep disorder issues, and small mouth, small face, mouth breathing, all these things, it's, it's almost already too late to treat them in the easy mode. And that is as a child, you can expand the arch and make the face bigger, the lower face bigger with adults, but it's more difficult to do. So, so anyway, so that, that would be the best solution is not to be in this quandary. And, and I 
probably made things complicated here by bringing that up. So, but in the in the case of Stacy, consider not getting the fixed retainer and work with removable retainers. And for Sarah, who uh, essentially is 27 years old, you should have probably been told that this is something you don't want to keep in too long. And again, we use the word permanent in dentistry and and there is no permanent restoration. There is no, there's nothing permanent about man-made dentistry, unfortunately. Things, some things, some restorations last longer than others, of course, but there's nothing permanent. So it should always be reevaluated. And certainly by age 18 or 19, I'm sure, Sarah, you would have been fine with a removable retainer. Anyway, so get that thing removed, get into some Invisalign or a Essex, we call it Essex type. Uh, that's become a generic name. That's where the dentist can make the retainer in-house. They don't have to send out to Invisalign or ClearCorrect. These are all companies that you need to send scans or impressions to. So so that that's essentially what I recommend. Uh, the short of it is, is that stay away from these things. I don't recommend them, even though your dentist recommends them, your orthodontist recommends them. And I'm sorry to say, but I don't think it's a good idea. I'm, I, I'm typically a perfectionist. I want everything to be perfect. Of course, we never achieve that, but I always like to try for it because then we get a higher degree of efficacy and better results and 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 we do better and it's the right thing to do because if something is bad for us and we're doing it for the wrong reasons for reasons of aesthetics or we're kind of backwards engineering something something that we've done and then we want to keep it there that this just doesn't make sense to me uh, i'd rather just do it right and so even after the fact, even though you weren't able to do it right with expansion of the lower face, being treated at age two or three or four or five years old as a child, get rid of these retainers and you still can, as an adult, redo the ortho by expanding your upper jaw and your lower jaw. That is possible. Or you could just wear a removable retainer that typically works very well. One little last bit of advice. If you have one retainer and you think you may lose it, have a second, have a duplicate made at the time that you have the first one made because sometimes these things take time to make or you may be traveling and you may not be able to get to it right away. And in that short period of time, your teeth can shift and move. So anyway, I hope that answers both Stacy's and Sarah's question. Lower fixed permanent retainers, it's all bunk. Don't do it. The cost is too high. It, it affects bone loss, bone density, you know, the aesthetics of your smile. You're going to look long in the tooth because of gum recession and all for not, not because you had gum disease, but because you wore this thing too long. So anyway, hope that helps. And, you know, if you have any other questions about ortho in general, certainly a lot of things came up in this episode, expansion, earlier orthodontic treatment, fixed retainers, I mean, not fixed retainers, but removable retainers. The one thing I don't like about Invisalign style retainers is that it is a plastic and they say it's safe. It's not 100% safe. So so that is a little bit of an issue too. So anyway, it's it's always gray. It's never binary. And again, achieving for perfection doesn't mean we get it. But if we at least try, we get closer to it. And that's totally worth it. Your mouth, your oral health is completely worth the effort. All right, that wraps up another episode of Ask the Dentist. Thank you, Stacy and Sarah, for asking those questions. I think many of you probably thought my answer to that was maybe it was unexpected to you. A lot of people that ask that question are worried about the toxicity of 
the the metal that's used and the bonding agents and and that that could be an issue but for me the bigger issue is what i explained earlier in this episode and that is just the mere presence of it is it goes against everything that that the teeth are designed to do the periodontal ligament the crustal bone the alveolar bone so it's best not to do it try and do it right try and do it the right way try and work with uh, removable retainers never do a fixed retainer in some cases, it's going to be necessary. For example, an autistic child. It would be better to keep that arch form, more space for their tongue, perhaps even a better airway. And, you know, they may not be able to keep that retainer in. It may be difficult for the parents. So there are always exceptions to what I say. And again, it's that whole concept of trying to be perfect. It's, it's impossible. We always strive for it, though. So anyway, so I hope that makes sense to you. I hope that is practical advice for you. If you have any questions like this, always please go to speakpipe.com slash askthedentist. If you have any questions about what I just said, we could certainly talk more about this. Ortho in general is a changing for the better, a, a changing part of our profession. We're treating earlier and we're treating more for the root cause so that we don't need retainers, fixed retainers, even removable retainers. What a concept, right? Uh, go to our website, askthedentist.com. Uh, as I said earlier in the episode, uh, I really haven't written about this topic. You know, we've written a lot about metal toxicity. We've written about the safety of, of stainless steel in, in, in the body, in the mouth. We've also talked about how ortho is changing. So you may want to brush up on that. And if, if, if you're getting a lot of pushback, so for example, you know, Stacy, you may get some pushback from your orthodontist saying, Oh my God, no, we have to get the fixed retainer in there. This is, I want to preserve my work. It's beautiful, right? <laughs> That's typically how orthodontists talk about it, you know, and you want to go with a removable retainer. If you're getting a lot of pushback, you know, seek out a functional dentist. They will understand and be able to have that conversation with you and understand that it's important to look at all, all of the different ways of treating the human body and that putting a fixed retainer in is a compromise. So if you're looking for a functional dentist and this list is growing, thank goodness in the United States, it's actually a worldwide list. It's also at our website, go to askthedentist.com slash directory. Again, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure. I love hearing your voices, your questions. This certainly was an unusual question, one that certainly needed to be talked about. And perhaps I should after this, sit down and write about it for the website so that other people have access to it. Uh, anyway, again, thanks for listening. I really appreciate your time and, and the fact that you are interested in oral health, especially the functional approach or the, that, that variety of taking care of oral health. And again, looking for root causes, looking at the big picture. And again, remember the big picture is oral health contributes greatly and is interlinked and connected to both directions to systemic health. Someone that I admire greatly just wrote a fantastic book on longevity, and there was no information. There was no chapter on oral health. I, I see this happen all the time, and it's unfortunate, and uh, I'm working hard at trying to get physicians and dentists on the same page and to collaborate. I'm actually going to do an episode about a letter that I created that helps doctors and dentists collaborate, and more on that later. But, but I, I think you're getting the idea that dental health is really 
is essentially overall health and that a physician should know more and a dentist certainly should be collaborating with physicians so that we can treat this all, the, the whole body all at once instead of treating the mouth in a vacuum without looking at the rest of the body. Essentially, that's what we're doing now in our current system. So I will end there before I get too carried away. Again, thank you so much for being a listener. I really appreciate your trust. That's very important to me. And I do everything I possibly can to maintain your trust. And that is to give you good, credible information when it comes to oral health. Again, thanks. See you in the next episode. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.